Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Welcome to Scary Mysteries, brought to you by Nudon Films. Every Monday, we'll tell you about topics that range from serial killers and UFOs to unexplained mysteries, ghosts, and everything in between. If it's scary and it's mysterious, then we've got you covered. And check us out on YouTube as well if you want to watch each episode. Thanks for tuning in. Top 4 Most Credible Alien Abductions Are they true stories or thoughts dreamt up by delusional minds? Tales of alien abductions are rarely taken seriously, something you find in obscure magazines and websites. But every once in a while there comes a story from someone that defies logic and makes us question whether we're the ones living the delusion. These are the Top 4 Most Credible Alien Abductions. Number 4. John Salter Jr. and his son A respected professor at the University of North Dakota, John Salter Jr. and his son John III were driving in their pickup truck on March 20, 1988. It was 6.25 p.m. and the two were on an isolated stretch of Route 61 in Wisconsin. An hour and a half later, the two found themselves traveling in the complete opposite direction from where they were headed and realized they had no idea what happened to the lost time. Utterly confused, they decided to rest for the night and continue their trip the next morning. While driving the next day, a disc-shaped object suddenly confronted them. It was slightly dome-shaped and glowing in a bright metallic shade. They were forced to stop 
and as suddenly as it appeared, the UFO quickly vanished from their sight. Months after this encounter, Dr. Salter and his son both began to recall what exactly happened to them after they saw this craft. They remembered seeing two to three small humanoid figures, each around four to four and a half feet tall. They had thin bodies and limbs with large heads and slanted eyes. At first, he thought they were children, but soon after, he met a taller one. The roughly six-foot-tall figure communicated with them telepathically and guided them through the woods and into a clearing where their spacecraft was located. His next memory was inside the craft, where they were placed in chairs which he described as similar to the ones you find at a dentist's office. He went on to explain, saying, An implant was placed in my right nostril and beyond. An injection was made in my neck at the thyroid area. Another injection was made in my central chest near the thymus gland. Dr. Salter emphasized that he didn't feel any menacing vibes from the beings, but instead felt like they were being protected. After the encounter, the doctor noticed various changes happening to him physically. His overall health had improved and his nails and hair began to grow twice as fast. A scar on his forehead that he had had for most of his life began to fade and almost disappeared completely. At certain times, a red welt would appear on his neck and a brown spot on his chest, the same places where he claims they implanted something in him. John III didn't have the exact same physical effects as his father, but said it was the most extraordinary experience of his entire life. He did, however, grow a foot and a half taller in the three years after the incident, starting at age 23, even though he had previously stopped growing at 19. A lot of accounts of alien abduction are dismissed, and rightfully so. But in Dr. Salter's case, he's a respected professor whose credentials back him up. Number 3. Robert Taylor. The Deekmont Woods Incident. It was supposed to be a normal day for Forrester Robert Taylor. He had been working for the Livingston Development Corporation for 16 years, and for most of that, his job involved doing inspections inside the Deekmont Forest in Scotland. On the morning of November 9, 1979, he said goodbye to his wife and together with his dog, drove his van to work. He parked on a back road in the woods, took his tools, and began to hike to the remote forest area he was going to inspect. It was mid-morning, around 10.15, not long after his hike began, when Robert came across a strange sight. At a small clearing within the dense forest, he saw a spherical dark object hovering menacingly in the air. It was about 20 feet across, metallic, but with an emery-like surface. Although he could clearly make out its shape, it would become partly transparent so that Robert could see the fir trees behind it, as if it was trying to camouflage itself. Out of nowhere, two small spheres dropped from the bigger object. They looked similar to navy mines with spikes jutting out of them. They began to roll towards him with a plopping sound as the spikes hit the mud. Each sphere then attached itself to his legs, and he could feel they were tugging him towards the bigger object. A strong foul smell which Robert described as similar to burned brake linings in cars surrounded him and he struggled but couldn't overpower them and he eventually passed out. When he came to, he was laying down in the same clearing, his dog nearby but the objects were gone. He had lost his voice and couldn't stand and out of sheer terror he crawled his way out of the area. When he regained command of his legs he ran back to his van. 
The radio was out, which caused him to panic even more, and in the end, he just ran back towards his house. His wife found him completely disheveled. He had scrapes and bruises on his chin and legs while his trousers were torn in several places. When asked what happened, all Robert could say was that he was attacked by a spaceship and that he had been gassed. The police and a doctor came out and Robert was sent to the hospital. He later checked himself out without being examined, but his raging thirst endured for two days along with serious headaches. Instead of law enforcement scoffing at his report, they took him seriously and treated the matter as a physical assault of a person. Police went to the scene. They found Robert's van where he indicated it would be, and they went to the scene of the crime. They found several marks on the ground suggesting that something had come down and made impressions on the grass, but did not disturb the soil. Surrounding the larger mark were about 40 shallow holes matching Robert's story of the spiky spheres moving in a path before ultimately grabbing him. The police thoroughly investigated the mysterious marks and compared them to those that the heavy machinery of the forest department would create, but they couldn't replicate it. They also couldn't find any tracks leading in and out of the area, which indicated that whatever made those marks were placed there from something dropping them off. Robert's pants were sent to Eidenberg, where a forensic scientist concluded that the tears coincided with Robert's story of being grabbed at the waist by some sort of spiky machine. However, it doesn't provide any conclusion to the incident overall. Even today, the case of Robert Taylor's mysterious encounter remains open. Number 2. Sergeant Charles L. Moody U.S. Air Force Sergeant Charles L. Moody was watching a fantastic meteor shower in New Mexico during the early morning hours of August 13, 1975. At approximately 1.15, he spotted a bright, glowing metallic disc in the sky 300 feet away from where he was. It was around 50 feet long and 18 to 20 feet wide, and just before it hit the ground, it stopped. Now floating 15 to 20 feet above the ground, it wobbled a bit before moving towards Moody. When he realized what was happening, he rushed to his car and attempted to get away, but his vehicle wouldn't start. The object stopped no more than 50 feet from him, and it emanated a high-pitched humming sound. He could see a figure through a rectangular window in the craft. The humming sound stopped, and that's when his entire body went numb. A moment later, the UFO quickly rose into the sky and disappeared. His car then started, and as he raced home, he noticed that it was 3 a.m. He had lost an hour and a half's worth of time, but had no idea where it went. Over the next few days, Charles began to develop a rash on his lower body and went to a physician explaining what happened, including his experience with lost time. He was told to try self-hypnosis, which he did, and over the next few weeks was able to piece together what happened during his lost time. Soon after his body went numb, two humanoid figures wearing black skin-tight clothing approached Charles in his car. He struggled and tried to fight them off, but eventually fell unconscious. When he came to, he found himself in a sterile-looking room lying on top of some sort of table. He couldn't move his arms or legs, and a creature was standing above him. This was different from the previous creatures in that it was shorter, wore a metallic suit and had round eyes, a protruding brow, no hair on its head, small nose and ears along with very thin lips. The creature spoke to Charles telepathically, asking him if he was ready to behave. After agreeing he was able to move again, 
and said he was whisked away to another area where he saw the craft's control center. It had a long rod with three holes covered in glass and another rod nearby that had two crystals on both ends. He was then told their mothership was situated 400 miles away from Earth and that they were forbidden to reach out to humans again until after 20 years had passed. They went on to say that one day they would reveal themselves to all humans. Since he was the only witness, there's no one to corroborate his story. But why would an Air Force serviceman with a promising career make something like this up? He never sold his story for money, and he even took a lie detector test which said he was telling the truth. Some say there were contradictions to his story as he apparently changed descriptions of the figures, and many wonder what purpose would the aliens have taking him in the first place and showing him around the ship. We most likely will never get the answer or even know if this is in fact something that actually happened, but nonetheless it remains a very interesting story of an alien abduction. Number 1. Allagash Waterway Abduction The Allagash Waterway Abduction is considered one of the most popular group abduction cases ever recorded. On August 20, 1976, Twins Jim and Jack Weiner, along with their two friends Chuck Rake and Charles Fultz, decided to have a relaxing wilderness getaway along the Allagash River in northern Maine. The four young art students had been friends since high school and were excited for their backwoods adventure. For the next few days, the four canoed and camped along the waterway before reaching Eagle Lake on August 26th. They set up camp and decided to go night fishing for some trout. Before heading out, they made sure to create a huge bonfire, fueling it with big logs that would burn for two to three hours at least, so they could easily find their way back. A short while after they started fishing, Chuck said he felt as if they were being watched. When he turned around, that's when he saw a large bright sphere silently hovering about two to three hundred feet above the water and coming towards them. He yelled at the others to look, and all four saw the bright colored orb. Charlie took a flashlight and blinked at the object, and that's when it stopped moving completely. At the same time, a bright tube of light hit the water. Both the object and a trail of beaming light suddenly began moving faster towards the canoe and the boys. They frantically paddled to get away, heading to their campsite, but shortly after, the beam completely engulfed them. What they remembered next differed for each person. Charlie remembers paddling for the shore and standing at the campsite, while Chuck remembers staying in the canoe after they reached the shore and staring at the bright glowing orb moving away. The twins remembered a bit more. They recalled paddling furiously but realizing they couldn't get away from it. They were then standing on the shore and looking at the bright sphere hovering at 20 to 30 feet above the water. It stayed motionless for about 4 to 5 minutes before the beam pointed to the sky, it started to move and then shot out of sight. After the shock wore off, Chuck moved out of the canoe to find the others and himself staring at the bonfire which should have been burning bright. The whole encounter seemed like it happened in 15 to 20 minutes, but the bonfire was completely burned out with nothing but red coals left. The boys would go on with their lives for years without ever trying to explore what really had happened. But Jim eventually suffered a head injury causing temporal limbic epilepsy and was asked by doctors to recall any unusual experiences. That's when he mentioned the incident during their camping trip. The doctor suggested he try contacting a UFO researcher about what had happened, and so that's what he did. 
He contacted Ray Fowler, who in turn contacted Anthony Constantino, a professional hypnotist and English teacher. All four men agreed to be hypnotized separately to find out what really happened during their lost time. Each of them had a unique but similar account. They were all brought inside a sterile, dimly lit room inside the craft while big-eyed creatures with long fingers probed and analyzed nearly every part of their bodies. The creatures that examined them had four fingers in each hand and metallic-looking large eyes. Even though all four were artists, for some reason they could not put a proper image of the creatures together. Aside from that, Jack was able to see his friends and brother being examined as they were made to sit on a plastic-like bench, but were unable to resist or do anything to protest what was happening. Various skin samples and fluids were taken, which included humiliating experiments since the creatures wanted to see their physiological and anatomical makeup. Today, the Allagash abduction remains to be one of the most popular accounts of alien abduction ever made. After the long hypnosis sessions with the men, Constantino was asked if he believed what they were saying was true, and he responded, I do. After working with those guys, I was scared. I still am. I think it's true. I think they were being tagged the way we tag and study sharks and bears and then release them. So there were the top four most credible alien abductions. Alien abductions can seem outlandish to many, but as you've seen, there are some genuine accounts from otherwise reputable people. It's amazing to think that their stories, however unbelievable they may seem, could very well have actually happened. Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe and check out Scary Mysteries on YouTube as well for additional videos. I'll see you next week.